didn't even realize it. That's we have to do that for real at my school. Uh, yeah, if we have uh, pictures or something like that for like yearbooks and stuff oh, like that, if they're like yeah. two, you know, like these or something like that, I was like, eh, you can't. Wow. <laughs> wow. Wow. A little harsh. A little, A little harsh. Bit. All right. Oh. What? All right. What's up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of the All Star Comics Podcast, powered by Horizon Comics. I'm your host, Jonathan Cote. Join me on the panel tonight are Johnny Morales, Nick Cantrell, and Roger May. Producing, as always, is Matthew Lubick. Say hi, Matt. What's up, guys? Yay. Uh, if this is your first time listening to us, we are a review podcast slash spoiler podcast. We used to review a Marvel book, a DC book, and an independent book last week. as of last week. But this week, we're changing things up because why not? And just in time for me to show up, too. And just not, in time for... nerve-wracking yeah. at read. Our new format is basically going to be we each pick a book out of our pull list, and that's what we're going to go with a review. Host pick of the week. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, panelist picks of, of the week, pretty much, is, is what it's going to kind of revolve around. Um, and then we are, and then we are going to review a graphic novel as usual. So there is some familiarity. So note, everybody needs to freak out. Um, we're still going to do news and, and things like that. And then one of the other things that we've changed in the show is instead of just telling you like a highlights reel of what's coming out next week, cause most of you probably know all the big books that are coming out next week. We're changing that up. So, and we'll talk about that once we get to it. Uh, and as always, for those of you listening on Mondays, if you want to, live stream the actual podcast as it's happening in real time point up over to the camera everybody oh, sorry no uh, twitch.tv slash horizon comics is going to get you in friday to watch friday night well roughly. friday nights roughly around eight, around eight o'clock <laughs> you'll hear yeah. something at eight <laughs> yeah um it's slightly less pg than the actual show but that's why it's Horizon Comics After Dark. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Without further ado, Johnny, tell us whatever news you managed to scrape up this week. Wait. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. News, news, news. Um, so, yeah, I only have two uh, pieces of news this week, and it's uh, both DC books, and it's actually sad. Uh, Suicide Squad uh, canceled with issue number 50. Uh, that's uh, going to come out in January, January 16th. Um, I mean, it made it a, and it's going to be a special exercise anniversary issue. So, who's uh, writing that? I have no idea who's writing Suicide Squad. Um, I don't think it's changed creative teams. I think it's been the same same writer, Rob Williams. Robin Williams. Rob Williams. Uh, that's it's been a while. yeah. It's Rob Williams art by uh, art uh, Diogenes Neves, I guess. Diogenes. Diogenes Neves. Yeah, Neves. Yeah, yeah um, they've been the creative team for quite a while now. And another cancellation, uh, DC cancels another new Age of DC Heroes series. Um, the Unexpected is ending with its eighth, eighth issue. I could have told you that was going to happen. Nobody yeah. cared about that is book. That, one not yeah. good? that was the one that I didn't even bother pulling. Uh, yeah. Steve Orlando, dude, the preview, I had no clue what was going on with it. It didn't grab me whatsoever, and I... I I knew that that book wasn't going to last long. Yeah, this is so. This is the second uh, New Age of DC Heroes, or uh, that is being canceled. The first one was Immortal Men. That one wasn't canceled. It just was a miniseries. Oh, was it? Yeah, it was a six-issue miniseries okay. by Scott Snyder. Oh, they should and, um, update this. And um, who was it? 
Was it, um, who's the artist on that one? Immortal Man? No, was it Immortal Man? That's what they, you said. Oh, Immortal Man is canceled? Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. No, that one, that one was Tinian and uh, Lee. Yeah. I don't know if that one was supposed to go longer or not, but maybe. It said Immortal Man was canceled in September, so. Okay. Okay, and that's, uh, all, that's all the news, just some cancellations from DC. I yeah. scraped, man. There's nothing. Honestly, they're all going to go away. Mm, yeah. yeah. All the like new age heroes. All of them. Wow. They're all going to go away. Mark my words. By the end of the year, they'll yeah, all so? be canceled. That's a bummer, no, man. Wow. None. Well, it's a good thing that uh, the Snyder one was only a miniseries. Yeah. Yeah. In and, in and out. You know? um, I think that's really what they should have done with the majority of them is just done yeah. miniseries. Um, Sideways I liked a lot. I hear but that one's really good. Even the uh, uh, Terrifics, you think? I think yeah. they're all going to go. Man. All right. But, yeah, that's the news for this week. It's not a lot. All right. Do we have any questions? Well, we had the. There was also the one bit that what we just found out about. What about? Luke Cage. Oh, Luke Cage got canceled. Right. Luke Cage got oh. canceled. The TV Wait, Luke series. Luke Cage got canceled? Really? Yeah. The TV series. Yeah. Just, just on happened. On the heels. Oh, like right now, right? On the heels yeah, like of. Tonight. Getting, can, uh, yeah. getting canceled after Iron Fist. That was last week. Really? Wow. I did not. Yep. Luke wow. Cage uh, sparking. Uh, ideas of a Heroes for Hire TV show. But is it season three coming out or something? No, no. no. Pipeline, but yeah. Yeah, oh. Daredevil. It, it would be better if they just did Heroes for Hire. That'd be totally good. agree. Daredevil and Heroes for Hire. That's all you need. Because then you have three of your your street heroes like all just across two shows. Yo, they how, don't how have to be in one small area of yeah. New York City. <laughs> yeah. So. All right, go ahead with questions. I do have a question cool. from Ian. This is actually a really good question. It might require a little bit of thought. Hopefully somebody will have something right off the bat. <coughs> um, Ian, uh, we talk about some older comics being dated while others standing the test of time really well. Um, name one book that has come out in the last year or two that you feel will be just as good if you read it again in 20 years. Miracle Man. Yeah, Mr. You mean Mr. Miracle? Yeah, Mr. Miracle. God. Yes, that's Mr. Miracle. Hey, I did Sorry. that a couple of weeks ago. And they, like, pounded on it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Mr. Miracle. Um, depending yeah. on how the last issue goes. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, it and really depends. Did you say the past year or two? Yeah. Nothing. Yeah. Can I go a little farther? Yeah, go ahead. Secret Wars? Jonathan Hickman? Yeah. I, th- I think that'll probably Maybe. hold up pretty well. Um, Mr. Miracles. Get like That's a wall a of text, choice. like the original Secret Wars. <laughs> um, I think uh, um, Tomasi and Gleason Superman. That's run. good. Yeah. I was just, I was just <laughs> saying the same thing. That's gonna be that's gonna um, be one, dude. For, it's so good for the times, man. Yeah. That'll be up there with All Star Superman, Death of Superman. That'll be one of the top Superman I stories of all time. Omnibus, dude. dude, if I get an absolute or an omnibus, I'll be a happy camper. You know they're going to do The it. problem there is, I mean, there are so many issues in that run. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, you can't, you 45, can't do. 40, well, under, just under 50, because I think they put two specials out also. Yeah. I mean, maybe they'll, they'll crank out four absolutes to collect it all. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh man. I would happily give um, all my money. Be like, yep, give it to me. It's possible. I mean, it, it, it is that good. Um, I don't, you know, I try to think of Marvel, but I think, you know, I think you're probably right with Secret Wars. Secret Wars. I think the that'll hold book in a long time. the test of time. But other, 
other Marvel stories, it's I don't know. I mean, I think um, that's the thing. Superior Spider Man. That's pretty um, good. Spider Verse is pretty darn good. Yeah. Um, I haven't read it, but what about uh, <laughs> Slot's Silver Surfer run? I think. Holy that was a, crap, man! Was wasn't that, that some, an, some of the best stuff that Slot underrated, has ever done? Underrated, underrated yeah. series. Oh, from what I understand. Say that earlier. That. So. Just like Mike all read all the way through is some of the best. Uh, and granted, I haven't read that much Silver Surfer, but you know, some of the best Silver Surfer I've ever read. It hasn't been any in a long time. Yeah, that. that was always my dad's favorite. Man, is it really good? It was. I think it it's was like more nice than fifty issues between like two or three volumes or whatever. Like you know, renumberings and stuff. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, I think uh, Gwenpool. Also, oh, <laughs> <laughs> you're being uh, facetious right now. Uh, I'm pretty Deadpool sure. versus Howard the Duck. Oh uh, God, yeah, Howard Deadpool, whatever Deadpool that crossover like was. The example of things are not going to. Yeah. <laughs> Deadpool is is like the. It's weird because, well, just when I first started coming to the shop, Roger, I think you had told me like, just before I came into the shop or started like shopping with you guys. Marvel had just gone through their culling of all their Deadpool titles. Yeah. Because they had like seven. And they were finally like... All at like, the same time. All at the same time. Yeah. And then they trimmed it down to like two. In like 2011? 2010? Yeah. Like, yeah. I think 2010, 2011, yeah. somewhere in there. I would, around there. I would say maybe and Jerry then, Dugan's run too. And then they Brian wound it back up and yeah. Deadpool was everywhere again. Yeah. yeah. Especially after the movie. <laughs> the yeah, exactly. But I would say as far as Deadpool goes, Jerry Dugan had a pretty good... Um, he wrote like 100 issues. Yeah, he, he had a pretty solid run with Deadpool. Well, I, think, I know with Marvel, there are a lot of series that I constantly recommend to people. None of them have come out in the last two years. And and I think, you know, they're all from the last 10 years. Yeah. And I think that, Jason I, I think that they still Ooh, hold the God test of time. God yeah, God Bomb and God Butcher. Um, I mean, even the new stuff is just Ed Brubaker's amazing. Ed totally Captain agree. America run mm-hmm. is is amazing. That's going back 10 years. Um, yeah. and I, no, that's what I said. Yeah. Uh, you know, most of the series that I recommend for Marvel are from the last 10 years and probably more weighted towards the, the earlier years. Um, Planet Hulk is is a fantastic story that, that will stand the test of time. Um, uh, Matt Fraction's Hawkeye. Yeah, mm, that's sure. another one. Um, that's a 2012. That's book. that's a Ooh. little tougher. Look, that's a great series, but it has a distinctive flair to it. That's that, one of those you either love it or you hate it. Yeah, yeah it's you know, um, it's 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 an indie movie. It's got form. kind of right. It's got <laughs> it really, kind of yeah, a, it really is. Yeah. a hipster vibe. Yeah, to it's it an that indie I movie. Don't comic know. Form. I don't know if if. You know that Bible stand the test of time. The storytelling, Story. I think, will. Yeah. yeah, Rick Remender's Uncanny X Force. Oh yeah, is amazing. It's pretty good. I mean, that's just, you know, that's that's great stuff. Bendis' um, Alias and Jex- Jessica Jones. Anything by Jeff Johns. Yeah. Mm-hmm. His Green Lantern. Anything. Run. Yeah. His, Jeff, John's Green Lantern. Jeff Johns Green Lantern run. Jeff Johns Justice League run. Yep. Dude, wait till this Shazam movie comes out. Isn't he writing his, a Shazam his book? His Shazam book yeah. is... With Daily Eagle yeah. Sham. But what about um, Doomsday Clock? Is that going to hold? Oh, my God. <laughs> it, it should. Yeah. If, I, it, if it I, ends but, like... The, we're seven issues in now. It, I, I can't see this going south. I mean, it's entirely possible. Anything's possible. But at least the first seven issues so far have yeah. just like, rocked my world. So. 
<gasps> Vision. I, I think it, it oh, probably yeah. will. Yeah, that would be a good one, Vision. too. Vision's great, but, I, um, well, I need to finish it. I think I need to finish there, it, and then maybe I'll recommend the, it. The thing often. that I'm looking at is, like, trying to see if there's things that date it. There's nothing really that dates it. Yeah. I mean, there's no, like, But it's hard to say what culture right now yeah. is going to be considered dated in the future. No, yeah, for sure. Yeah. But, like, we're throwing out other books. and you Well, know, and sometimes, this one's sometimes it just comes down to writing style. Yeah. You know? And I don't know. I, I think, uh, you know, across the board, comics writing is pretty freaking evolved when you look at what we came from in the 60s and 50s mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Um, even if you look back at like Avenger or not, Bendis's early Spider-Man stuff it doesn't hold up like this is it's not good wait like what his like, first 20, ultimate Spider-Man yeah, the first 20 to 30 issues of ultimate Spider-Man it definitely feels like an yeah. early 2000s comic yeah, yeah. Mm. but I mean it's still yeah I get it I'm not it, it's not it, it's just dated or not yeah I mean, everything is going to be dated because they're going to make references to everything. But uh, it's so good. I think it still holds well, up. I'm not saying it's bad. Yeah, I think it still holds up. Well, I think that's what the. Years. I think that's what the question is. I mean, it's almost been 20 years, Matt. It's, it came out in no, 2000. 20 years from now is the question. Right, but these are books that came out within the year, you know. Yeah, well, I think that's the thing. If you if you read a comic, and it feels like man, this was written some time ago, then it's dated. Anyway, Ian, thank you for your question. That was a good one. Dark Knight, a true Batman story. <laughs> Paul Dini. All right. We read it on the podcast. <laughs> Obviously, it didn't stick. <laughs> really? It's it's uh, when we're Dini. Oh, yeah. right, right, right. Yeah, Batman that Damned. didn't stick. That one hmm. hold up, right? Which one? Batman Damned. For weirdness, yeah. Yeah, wasn't <laughs> good. Um, all right, let's go ahead and hop into our reviews. Cool. Who wants to go first? Nick, you're the guest. Sure. All right. Um, I have issue one of Exorcisters, uh, written by Ian Boothby, Giselle Legacy. Um, it is basically a uh, a sort of supernatural noir um, thing where two sisters are going around trying to solve crimes and involve demons and uh but it's written by ian boothby for uh if you don't know who he is he wrote for uh, mad magazine and he's been like the house writer for all of the futurama and simpsons comics really for, like, oh my god yeah for huh. like years now and i just found out yeah uh yesterday that the simpsons are on indefinite hiatus as far as comics so i'm assuming that that's how this one came out that he has more free time so to speak yeah uh but and then Giselle Agassi she's kind of uh been into uh a lot of the Archie stuff she did Archie meets the Ramones and uh oh man yeah it's it's everything I hoped it would be that was it's entertaining it's goofy it's got a weird sense of humor but it's also got a really good sense of storytelling I feel like, especially with, um, you know, going from Ian Boothby's sort of Simpsons Futurama stuff to actually telling the full story. But I really dug it. Uh, I mean, w- like, what's the what's the story about? Or is it a horror book or is it it's, a comedy? It's kind of like a comedy occult sort of thing. Okay. Um, it's the two sisters that are, well, you you find out there's a the last page. You find out a sort of cliffhanger. But they're this... Uh, detective agency that only specializes in 
paranormal? Occult, yeah, paranormal, occult sort of. Uh, Are they twins? That's part of what, especially with the cliffhanger, it seems like it. Like one is like the angelic version, one is the uh, devil. Yeah, the satanic version, I guess. <laughs> well, it's uh, based off. That's why I'm asking based off yeah. the cover. Yeah, exactly. That's a good title. <laughs> yeah, it really is. I I was when I first saw um, Giselle Agassi. Uh, posted it on our Instagram, I was mm-hmm. excited. What has she done? Do you know? Uh, she's done most of the indie stuff, but okay. her, her biggest claim to fame is um, definitely Archie stuff. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Huh. I like how the uh, on the cover you've got the one sister who's clearly the angel one that's yeah. studying, and then the devil one is rock and roll. Yeah. Right. All metal. All metal. Yeah. Yeah, it's not... Uh, the art is... Uh, not what I expected this to be. It's, but it's definitely I like it. yeah. It's definitely she's like said multiple times that her biggest influence is Dan DiCarlo. Okay. And that's actually how I found out about her was because Dan DiCarlo is like my one of my top five favorite artists ever. It, and it, uh, but it's almost like an anime take that, on Dan that, DiCarlo. That's what I was gonna say. It, yeah. it feels like an anime. It's very clean for yeah. a a. You said it's kind of like a comedy horror book. Yeah. I guess. Yeah, it's very clean and and anime style. It does feel like it's you know it belongs to that that style would go well with Archie comics. Yeah, yeah, um, for sure. Did you read the letters in the back? I did. Yes, and uh, the the sort of inspiration that Ian Boothby was talking about is that he doesn't like the trend of uh, horror movies now where the evil always wins. So he wanted to do something a little more on the lighthearted side where you know evil gets sort of thwarted in the end and that and that says a lot about the t- sort of tone of it it's it's i wanted meant- to see someone outsmart evil because at its heart evil's pretty dumb yeah exactly <laughs> i like that it's, that's a great quote yeah. yeah it's it's one of those ones that i like uh, oh yeah and then in the back there's a bunch of solicits for uh giselle lagasse's other stuff that are more indie sort of things but um yeah, I really dug this one. I this definitely, looks good. yeah, I'm definitely gonna pick this one up for sure. I think I was real curious to read it. Now I'm definitely, definitely gonna read it. The mm-hmm. art looks a little cartoony, but I think maybe it fits the um, tone, the, yeah. the tone of the story. So for sure, especially with, um, I don't know if anybody actually reads the Futurama Simpsons comics, um, but that's it. If you like those and you like Archie stuff, you'll definitely dig this. I I do love the Archie stuff. Yeah, I I don't. Uh, they haven't done very much wrong in, in okay. the last three years. Yeah, Archie's been on a on a roll lately for sure, at least in the comics. Um, yeah, this is weird. <laughs> well, Jonathan, should we talk about our book? I guess we should. <laughs> <laughs> so it's kind of one of the things that we knew would happen is that there's this possibility that that you know guests could uh choose the same book and that's okay because then it just becomes a tandem uh I w- or joint review i will say my i was having trouble trying to decide whether or not to review because well i'll say the book i was going to do before we we introduced this book yeah. but it's it's going to be obvious um my choices um but i was i was debating whether or not to <laughs> review justice league drowned earth and it's it's now it's just the prelude. It was a prelude issue, kind of setting up. But it was Francis Manipal, Scott Snyder, really good. And I will say, 
Really good setup. <laughs> really good prelude. I'm down for what they're what they're sending. I'll do a little mini review. That's just pick it up. Worth it. Loved it. Okay. Five stars. But the book that Roger and I are going to review is East of West number 39. Yeah. There's a surprise there. And it's it's just too good not to. You know, the interesting thing, because I, when I was I was looking at the wall, which is my pole. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was like, I was like, I'm like, well, okay. So I read X-Men Black uh, Mystique. I'm a huge fan of Mystique. I didn't feel like reviewing that book. Oh, Ouch. So, um, but uh, when I saw East of West, I was like, oh my God, where have you been? Yeah, it's, and, been, a, it's been a couple uh, months. But I was... I was like four issues behind, so I went ahead and, and grabbed a stack of them and read, and it was, I had to go back and read this one a second time because so much of it blurred together because I love everything that they've done with the Texas Ranger over the last oh my God. Know, five issues. My fr- one of my favorite characters. Um, because he ended up surviving, and then he goes on a mission to hunt down the Chosen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's freaking and, great. So what's the story so far? Because I'm... The end of the world's coming, Johnny. Yeah, I am yeah. on issue seven. With a vengeance. Forces are gathering. Okay. Yeah. I want to know. This is the whole so premise now. One of, one of the really fascinating things in this book. We go back. Was, yeah, you go, you, you go back in time. the of the Chosen. Right, and it's after, but it's it's within the, the confines of this story, but it was yes. a scene that you never got to see. It was and basically the beginning of the series. Yes. Um, well, right at, after Mao had killed her father. Yeah. Which was which was in the first uh, graphic novel. Um, the interesting thing that I found in in this was uh, because we've always heard about the message. Yeah. You know, the story has has always centered uh, around the message, um, but then they point out uh, in in this this flashback that there's there's a messenger i mean there's a higher power that Mm -hmm. these guys serve and that that higher power was killed and it was killed in front of them and we have no knowledge of that to this point yeah and so i'm like you know there's something there it leads you to believe that maybe this message isn't exactly what it's being made out to be and that there are their agenda is supplanting what the original agenda was yeah well because and they they imply that the message isn't concrete it's mutable yeah because even um wolf is dealing with that now yeah you know that the message is is moving and they show like three different texts that can be interpreted like it's like right. the same set of words, but rearranged. Right. And there could be three different meanings to it. Right. And, and it, it's a revolving around Babylon, I think. Yeah. Uh, behold the sun. And then. And sun behold the. Uh, and uh, the sun behold. Yeah. So. And they're. Which makes absolutely no sense to me. I yeah. can't wait for Just Jonathan Hickman to enlighten me. <sighs> yeah. Um. But this, you know, uh, basically uh, in this issue, you have the uh, um, now you've at this point, we have two or three of the chosen that are dead. 
at the hands um, of the Texas Ranger. Right. You have uh, John. Um, uh, John Freeman. Yeah. John Crown Freeman. Prince. Yep. Of the um, kingdom. Who's gone. The, the president of the union. Gone. She's gone. Somebody else is gone. But um, because now, I mean, it was it was Archibald that that uh, that killed um, the ranger's dog and left him for dead. Yeah. And the ranger survived, and now he's going back. He's oh, on dude. a mission to get all the chosen. I can't wait for Archibald to meet it at the hands of the ranger. That's gonna yeah. happen. Yeah, I, I maybe. I want it to happen he, so he got bad. Owned so hard. Yeah. By Archibald. But if you notice, like, the ranger, if you don't kill him the first time, he's going to come back and rain torment upon you. I, and now he has all the guns. Yeah. So, Dude, he tangled um, with death. Yeah. Uh, well, um, twice. Yep. Yeah. Uh, like this literally. is interesting. Uh, you know, at this point, we have, we have the army of uh, Mao's army advancing on... Um, the endless nation. Yep. The endless nation has has conquered the union. Um, there's a there's a a lot of um, moving pieces right now. Um, and Wolf Wolf has gone down to talk with Mal. Uh, basically, as you know, kind of a you know as as an an Courtesy. arbiter of peace. Yeah, yeah. To try and try and work stuff out. But what's weird is that you have in each of, and I, I think I just really put these pieces together, in each of the kingdoms or the the provinces of America, you have there is a chosen that is representative of each of those. Mm-hmm. You know, Archibald was in the Union. Um, he was Mal in the Confederacy. Was in uh, the PRA. Um, the PRA. Uh, Wolf is in the Endless Nation. Um, John Freeman is from the, the kingdom, kingdom. Um, but uh, you know, but they're all supposed to be working together to serve the same purpose to bring about the rightful end of the world. But I, I, yeah, I think that they're, all, they're all gonna die. But the other thing that happens in this book, which was really cool, was um, you have the the three, three the three horsemen of the apocalypse um, are on the trail of death and and Babylon. And on their way, when they're getting close to them, they find one of the Psalms, the the mercenary robot with the person inside, with the person that, inside. Uh, that, yeah, they had the voice and all that. Yeah. They find a, a, a one that had been killed, and he, I think it's the like one that, that death killed. Uh, yeah, and 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 he's like, who is it? Uh, pestilence. Pestilence is like, you know, he's like. Programming it. it or whatever, and yeah. it says enter resurrection, you know, resurrection protocol. protocol. Y slash end is like, sure, let's see what happens. But then, uh, the three horsemen end up, um, sicking uh, a wave, yeah, of, of these psalm robots on death and Babylon. Um, death tells Babylon to get the heck out of here. And then he gets, he just gets consumed by all these robots. That's where he's left. And then the other three horsemen at the end of this book are like, hey, Babylon, what's up? Yeah. <laughs> so there's a lot of stuff getting ready to go down in this issue. This, and it's, this last, because this is the last story arc. Yeah. Wait, like 
for good? Yeah. 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 Oh, wow. So, so, okay. All right. So I'm kind of following along, but like for listeners at home, like that are not at all reading this, like, you know, they're probably a little lost. So like, they're going to be the, way lost. What's, 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 Look the, what's the pitch? Look, like, pitch me east, of, east of West, uh, you know, I use the same pitch for everybody. It's yeah. an alternate reality future sci-fi Western with the four horse and the apocalypse. That's what I want to know. Death yeah. has... Uh, gone Death rogue. has gone rogue. He turned his back on the other three horsemen of the apocalypse because he met a girl hmm. named Mal. Yeah. And that was a great scene, too, in this book where Death was talking to Babylon about his mom. Yeah. He's like, Babylon's like, tell me about, yeah. Okay. Tell me about mom. Okay. So, um, Babylon, uh, death and Mal fell in love, uh, had a kid. Okay. Okay, Their kid was kidnapped. Oh, no. One of the things I like about the series, though, is when it flashes back to their romance, death is in all black. And then after he falls in love with her, he's all white. Yeah. Yeah. He stays like that through... Like and he's, he's on a mission. Mal, tell, Mal tells death, you get our son back mm-hmm. or I will kill you. Jeez. Okay. And so he's like, yes, ma'am. Um, and so he's been on this mission to find his son, and he does. Mm-hmm. And uh, But there's, there's, a, there's a reckoning coming because the other three horsemen of the apocalypse realize that death betrayed him, and they decide that they have to kill death. Right. So lots of moving pieces. And then you have all of these different uh, nations that are coming to a head. And like we said, the cho- in The Chosen, you have members. Uh, it's like a secret cult. You know, um, each of them has a, a role in ushering or, or a desire to bring about the end times. Man. And so they're working together for that. All I it's can think of is complex. I can't wait for this series to drop on Amazon. Because this has been purchased by Amazon. Yeah. Oh, has Trends. it? Oh, yeah. yes. Oh, sweet. So it, if this was back in the day, I could totally see Clint Eastwood playing Death. I said that. <laughs> oh, on, yeah. I said that on uh, his or, uh, Matt's origin story, which is dropping what tomorrow tonight. It just dropped. But I. It just dropped. I can't wait to see who they cast for Death and the Texas Ranger. Yeah. Like that's going to be some interesting. Wow, you so, know roles. Yeah, I mean they're thirty nine issues, and I mean leave it to yeah. Jonathan Hickman to just weave a world that's just because I mean it, it is a post apocalyptic like uh, I think Uni- right U- United States right where mm-hmm. yes. they're divided alternate, into like alternate history right post apocalyptic yeah. United States. It, it's kind of like uh, a western, but it's also mixed with like sci fi elements and things mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, I mean sounds very postmodern. <laughs> sure, <laughs> sure. Um, it's I mean, fire. yeah, I, this all sounds interesting. And it's still the same uh, artist, Nick Rigota. Yeah, all Nick the way Rigota. Through, all the way. Man, that's to be commended. It's What gorgeous. are they ending it on? It's gorgeous. 45. 45. And huh. there's a special. And there is a special that's somewhere in the middle there. Yeah. Yeah. That kind of gives, like, histories of the different regions Timeline and, stuff. and histories of each yeah. of I mean, the regions. Yeah. So if anybody listening out there, if you're not reading this book, shame. Um, but you have time to catch Seriously. up right now. Yeah, there are uh, two gorgeous hardcovers mm-hmm. that you can purchase. Or yeah. uh, you can start off or with the first trade for ten bucks. A simple trade, yeah. yeah, will get you hooked. And you'll know, you know. Look, I've had some people tell me that this this book isn't for them. Um, 
and I, and I understand it's a uh, one of the things that journey. Jonathan Hickman does with this book is he doesn't he doesn't employ the use of a lot of exposition. You're dropped into this world, and you're a fly on the wall. That's you, what I love. Though. All that you have is the dialogue between the characters yeah. to to kind of fill in the gaps for you. And There's let, something and bring about you up that to speed, and yeah, it's that I, makes me feel like I I don't. Sometimes I don't like being spoon-fed the story. I've said this several yeah. times on the podcast. I feel like that kind of storytelling makes me a better reader. Yeah. Like it really forces you to pay attention, to yeah. look at the panels. Yeah. And Absolutely. to to really take heed of what the dialogue is and the and like I said the visual interactions in the panels. That's yeah. telling you the story. He leaves a lot to his artist. Yeah. He really does. Yeah, sometimes Nick Dragoda is a talented artist and he he fills he's in such a, a beast. He fills in so much of what's not there exposition-wise. Yeah. Sometimes I can understand why people w- don't want like these big things. They're like, I get it. Yeah. You're not necessarily under the the task of wanting well, to take thing, on. Look, that. it's not because it's not it's not mindless entertainment. No. Because you have it's high in this book you have um, a huge uh, landscape with yeah. a huge cast of characters. And a lot of moving parts. And so, like Jonathan said, you have to pay attention. Yeah. Sometimes. You have to, you know, because these characters, they may go away for, you know, a few issues or a, a story. Few arcs. And then come back later. How long was it when when they first introduced the Ranger? They started an arc oh, and ended an arc on him. And then it was like two other arcs before we saw him again. Yeah. Yeah, and I don't he's, even know who this guy is. Major the player. Texas Ranger. Yeah, yeah you know who he is. If you've got the issue seven, you know who he is. Yeah, he was in issue six. He's got the is dog. He the, is he with the one with the mustache? The mechanic. Yeah. 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 All right. He's, he's my like the, by far him and Death are my favorite characters. Okay. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Sometimes, uh, obviously, like sometimes I'm not in 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 the mood for like big stories like this. But if you love like lore and just world building, like there's nowhere else to look than Jonathan Hickman's books. And East of West is like. A you know an achievement honestly it's it's it, really a travesty to me that he has not won any awards for this book. This there's been several same. years where he's been up for some sort of an Eisner, and it always goes to Saga. And I get it, Saga is the darling of the award shows and all that. And it's not to say that Saga is not good, but my God, it is a it is I feel I feel insulted as a fan of this book that he hasn't gotten the recognition that I feel he deserves him and Dragota yep. for the work that they've put in. Cause not insulting BKV. Okay. Great writer in his own right has his own thing going, but you can tell the sheer amount of plotting and planning that he's done yep. for East of West. I think far outshines what BKV has done for saga. I think BKV has kind of had an idea of where he's going. It's clear that he's that Hickman drew out a roadmap years ago. And has stuck to it and followed it. It yeah. feels like he has a tome, just like and yeah. just you know of notes. Yeah. Well, yeah. and he has look. I, I I know that he he's got an extensive character profile on every one of these guys. Yeah. That's and, cool. And I gotta because be, they're so consistent. They are so consistent, and everything. You know, it was like the girl. She looks like Domino with yeah. with two black eyes. She came back in this issue, and she's talking about her motives. You know, and her, you know, hey, for a long time, my job was easy. I was just pitting, you know, one fool against another. But then you see, you know, and she's like, then you, you know, but you start to question, you know, this isn't fun anymore. You know, this is, this is too easy. And why, you know, why am I do the bidding of, of these other guys? You know, so she kind of steps out on her own. 
Um, I think it was in this issue. No, it was no, that was in the last one. Sorry, because you read, <laughs> yeah, like read five like of coming up to this. Yeah, huh. um, that wasn't in this issue, but uh, but but, they, but the characters are always consistent, and it's like Psalm. We haven't seen, you know seen Psalm since issue twenty something. Yeah. So, and huh. and that was know. a great character. Um, I, I I love this book. I love this series, dude. I love the, I love everything. I love about everything it. about this book. I love I love Dragota's art. Yeah, I mean, yeah, like, um, you know, I've stated it before. I'm not into westerns. I'm not into sci-fi. But honestly, you guys, like, the way that you're talking about it right now, uh, like, that's an endorsement. Uh, I kind yeah. of want to pick up the, you know, trade. I mean, I have, uh, I actually accidentally bought two volume ones. Like, I bought one, and then I guess I bought one a year later or something. <laughs> Um, it's, but it's the best gift you could give somebody. I mean, I guess so. Yeah, I'll, I'll go ahead and do that. <laughs> I actually know what's great is I can't wait for this show to actually drop on. Um, I don't know. I hope it's. I hope they're really rolling with it soon. I really want it to go out on Amazon, and here's why. My dad is an absolute western nut. There's two two genres he loves: James Bond spy genre, John Wayne Clint Eastwood westerns. Those are that's that's his jam, okay. Um, that's my dad too. <laughs> yeah, it's, it seems like that's everybody's dad, right? Yeah. yeah. And so I think because because cowboys and westerns was the superhero for for our dad's oh, yeah. generation, right? So he can't he doesn't really get into a lot of the superhero stuff that I show him. So I can't wait to actually have this come out because I am curious to see what. Because he surprised me with some of the stuff. There was a, a Seth um, McFarlane Western comedy. I can't remember the name of it. Once Upon a Time. Or no, A Million Ways to Die. Die in the West. West. Yeah. I thought for sure my dad would hate that movie. He ended up laughing his butt off at <laughs> it. So he surprised me. If it's, if it's Western themed, I'm fairly certain he's pretty open to it. Huh. So I can't wait for this to come out so I can show it to him. Because I can talk about the comic and he's not going to read it. Okay. Yeah, he's going to say, dang, son, why didn't you show me this before? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'd be like, it just came out, Pop. You know, like, so I really, 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 really want to see what, what it's like sitting down and watching this with my dad. I, I'm sold. I need to read it. Yeah. yeah. Five stars. Bucks, five stars. Sweet. Well, what'd you rate yours, by the oh, way? Oh, five stars. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Oh, this is going to be a trend. <laughs> <laughs> All five. The star I, rating right? system might have to go away. Yeah, honestly. <laughs> It's my turn. Yep. Johnny. I mean, obviously. This came out today. I mean, uh, Wednesday. All right. We all called it. Did you? I, well, I, yeah. I, I was wanted, actually going to pick a different book. I this, too, because I love Jeremy Whitley's first run on this series. Yeah. So. I was actually going to pick a different book. Um, no, you weren't. Yeah. Deep down, deep down, we really knew this. No, I was going to pick Shuri. Because um, that book was amazing as well. Yeah, I should have. But uh, it's okay. It's because this one, uh, Shuri's going to get a lot more buys than On the Top of a Wasp because this is, this book, uh, for all intents and purposes, uh, is that how you say it? Intense, intense, intense and purposes. Intense and purposes. Not intensive purposes. No, no, no. I said it right. Intense and purposes. And pur- oh, yeah. Purposes. Sorry. It's pronounced purposes. <laughs> purposes and tense. Anyway, um, it's, a, it's a book for you know young readers. Um, Jeremy Whitley's coming back with uh, Unstoppable Wasp. This is a continuation of his, um, I believe, 2017 run. Uh, this time he has a different artist in uh, Guri Hiru. And Guri Hiru is a, Guri Hiru, yeah, is a, a group of uh, two Japanese uh, people. Uh, I don't know their gender, and I'm sorry. I don't want to misgender anybody. Um, and um, 
it, it has like this anime style to it. Uh, it a kind of like reminiscent of, of what your uh, Exorcisters, right? Exorcisters book is, um, and it's just a ton of fun. And it, this book follows uh, Nadia Van Dyne. Uh, spoilers: She takes Van Dyne name at the end of Unstoppable Wasp, the you know the previous uh, run. Uh, because of reasons and honestly i would go back to that first run before reading this because there's a lot of uh things that were missing um but they do a good job of of uh catching us up in the pre uh prologue synopsis page synopsis page um honestly this book is a ton of fun it just follows uh nadia van dyne um being a superhero all but also trying to get her driver's license and also inventing new things for her um, research lab, which is, you know, the acronym is GIRL, which I believe uh, means Genius in Action something labs. Anyway, so, right, uh, this book follows her and it kind of just, she's overwhelmed by the, by the end of it. Like, you can see that she can't do it all. Uh, you know, she's trying, but she's spreading herself too thin. Um, with Janet just giving her missions, her taking down AIM, and her trying to uh, do a bunch of uh, inventions for um, her, her labs, uh, and they're doing an expo. Honestly, this book is a... Yeah, please. Um, it's, it's just a ton of fun for uh, young readers. I know it, the rating says teen plus, but I honestly... Yeah, do not, what's up with that? I don't see why... I, I'm pretty sure... I think people or the people at Marvel don't want to put like all ages on their books. Yeah, because it sounds like a suppressed. marketing thing. Yeah, because you know they're like, oh, this book is for kids. I'm not gonna pick it up. Mm. Um, but yeah, uh, right now DC has been killing it with the superhero girl stuff, um, and Marvel has been trying to catch up with like Squirrel Girl and Miss Marvel and things like that. Um, but, you know, Squirrel Girl and Ms. Marvel are aimed at more uh, older readers, maybe like 13 to 16-year-olds. Honestly, I would be comfortable giving this book to an 8-year-old, uh, 8 to any age right now. I mean, 24 and reading it. Well, almost 25 and reading it. And honestly, it's just it's just lighthearted and fun and, and just you don't have to there, – there's consequences and things like that. But you don't have to worry about it. It's just – Something to make you smile. And Nadia's, uh, you know, um, what is that, that word? Uh, you know, energy and, and just like uh, charisma and, and her happiness. Charm. Optimism. What's that? Optimism. There it is. Thank <laughs> you. Her optimism is contagious. And I have missed this character since uh, the end of uh, Jeremy Whitley's last run. It ended with issue eight. And I'm so glad that she's back and with Jeremy Whitley writing it because he knows this character. I'm not sure if he invented her. I don't think so. Um, yeah. I think he did. Did he? I think, like, I, think, I think she made her first appearance I in think, somewhere else. Yeah, but I think she was never really fully. <laughs> I think it was just known like, oh, there is this daughter that mentioned. he had yeah. before. Yeah. He's the one that. Yeah, he's the one that took her and created what you know of Nadia Van Dyne. I mean, it that that's the thing. It if, if he didn't uh, create he her, he created then, what you know and love. Yes, definitely. Because it's just, man, I love this book. Like <laughs> honestly, I love everything about it. The art, um, I do like. It, it it did get me a little getting used to because it is very very clean. Um, 
and, and sometimes it felt a little stiff for me. Uh, but but it's it, it just has like this young uh, young reader uh, type of vibe to it. It almost reminds me of um, the last Hellcat run. Hellcat. Um, I, I honestly think maybe they did that. <laughs> yeah, it, it wouldn't. So just the tone, just looking at it, the art, everything. It reminds me a lot yeah. of like a spiritual successor. And, and I've really been liking Guri Hero's uh, covers. They did uh, a lot of covers for Marvel Rising. Um, yeah. Which I, I love those covers, um, and I think it, it, it translates well onto the the comic page. It, it, it's sometimes it, it feels very dynamic, but sometimes it does feel a little stiff. Like when um, you know, right here, you know, it, you know, it, it's just like little nitpicks. But honestly, if you give this to an eight year old, they're not gonna notice. It's just it's just fun. It's just happy. This is what I want to read after I read. Uh, Black Monday Murders. I'm gonna need something to cheer me up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, you know, need the balance. And, and this yeah. is the perfect. I totally book. agree with you on that. This Sometimes, especially <laughs> reading the really dark stuff. As long as Jeremy Whitley's writing this, I'm going to be picking this up because it's just a ton of fun, and I absolutely love it. Yeah, I I I loved what he did on his first Unstoppable Wasp, yeah. and. I it was interesting because I thought that you know the character that he created was and her you know just um, undeniable optimism you know uh, was something that was different than anywhere else. I mean she um, she was just happy to be. She's yeah. I mean she's so positive, and I was like I, I really felt like you know that's the role model that our kids need yeah you know um and so i i, I was on board for it i, yeah. I do want to read this yeah. and and put it in the hands of as many kids as i can so. I, I would definitely um if, if i could if you know you can i would read the, the first run because there's a lot that they set up there you know obviously with the, the girl labs and things like that um th- and like i said i would recommend this book to anybody and any young reader um but it's it sends a even uh, an even stronger message to girls because this this uh, lab that she created is just all female geniuses. Um, because I believe in the first uh, run, um, Nadia was looking at the list of like the top uh, ten most like you know the smartest people in the Marvel universe, mm. and there weren't weren't any girls until like number fifty, and obviously that's yeah, and obviously that's wrong because. Um, Moon Girl, uh, I forgot her name. L- L- right, they L- Moon Girl is the smartest person in the Marvel universe now, uh, and uh, no. Well, no, that that that's what canon it is. I guess I guess so. Um, Almost. <laughs> um, but yeah, so this this is just a strong message to anybody that that you can do it. You can be whatever you want, and I love the optimism and just. Man, it's contagious. This this book brightens up my day. Nice. Cool. Write it. I mean, come on. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> what? First show in all four fives? <laughs> <laughs> all right. Where does that bring us, Jonathan? That brings us to lightning rounds. Ooh. Who wants to go first? Yeah. <laughs> 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 
Nobody? Nobody wants to go first? I mean, I, 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 do you have something? I have something. Do you have something? Yeah, I do. Go. Okay. Well, I don't want to spend that much time on this book, so that's why I chose it. It's Shuri, number one. Uh, and it's written oh, by uh, Nettie Okorafor, and uh, the art is Leonardo Romero. And um, it, it's just, this book is a ton of fun, but what I really love about it is that it sets Shuri apart from Black Panther. Like, when you think of Shuri, you would think, oh, like, it's Black Panther's sister, you know? But this book uh, goes, uh, and not out of, out of its way, just goes the extra mile to make Shuri uh, stand out. And uh, it's really interesting, and I'm really interested in it to see where it's going to go. Nice. But, yeah. I wouldn't have switched out. I, I, I really liked what I pulled this week, for sure. All right. Um... Man, I talked a little bit about Drowned Earth. I'll just say, like, do yourself a favor, read that. Art by Francis Manipal. Can't go wrong. Um, I really enjoyed it. I liked it a lot. But the other thing that I'm going to go ahead and do is uh, one of the things I've been trying to do is make band recommendations uh, off of each of these. So this week it's going to be Clutch. If you're unfamiliar with Clutch, hey, they are yeah. like an – like I don't want to say old school, but they, they've got a mountain of material uh, it's just pretty much straightforward rock and roll. They have a new album that came out uh, either last month or the month before. I will say, check out the song In Walks Barbarella. Best song on the album. It's freaking fantastic. I'm down. I, oh, yeah. I'll show it to you. You'll, hey, you might like, like Barbarella. It. Yeah. Well, um, so, yeah. I'll hop on that bandwagon, especially with Exorcisters. Um, if anybody's a Ghost fan, yeah. uh, definitely check out the band Ghost. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> they just <laughs> came out with an album, yeah, too, they like did. not too long ago. Yeah. Uh, definitely, definitely along those They're lines. I was fun. definitely listening to them as I was reading Exorcist. <laughs> <laughs> that kind of makes sense. It really does. That's it kind cool. of makes a lot of sense. So, Roger, do you have anything or no? Um, I'll just say uh, we, we, are, we haven't forgotten about the 24-hour comics day. The artists are still working on uh, finishing up the pencils and, and inks for all that stuff. Um, Nathan and I will be meeting again um, this weekend to iron out some dialogue. Uh, I'm gonna, I, I'm gonna stay on this for you guys, and I'll give you uh, updates periodically. Cool. That's it. All right, and then that brings us to oh, the new segment that was highlights. That is now what we're affectionately gonna call FOC Spotlight. FOC Spotlight. FOC stands for final Final. order cutoff. And this is actually beneficial to people that are not around the area as well. Yes. Um, Yeah, it it benefits everybody. Um, One of of the things that comic shops have uh, that we deal with all the time is final order cutoff. And typically it's three weeks from the release date. We need to finalize all of our um, order quantities for different books. Um, you know, most everybody ends up going into the, to their comic shop on Wednesday or Thursday and like, oh, I didn't know that was out. Well, this is our attempt to keep you posted about new series coming out that if you want to have them added to your pull list, uh, do it. And, and we're basically giving you, um, a week's lead time. So for this week. We're looking at items that are going to be on FOC for October 29th. 
and they're going to be released tentatively on the 21st of November, correct? Or that's not always the case. There's one book on here that is a week after. It's okay. an oversized special for DC. I think it's their, their nuclear winter special. Yep. So for the most part, it's three weeks. Sometimes it can be more. Also, if there are... Um, for some, sometimes if there are uh, statues or figures or um, absolute editions or stuff like that, there's a lot longer lead time. And if I think it's noteworthy, um, we'll, we'll put it on here too. So it's just letting you get your orders in so that you can ensure that you, you get it if you, if you want it. All right. Without further ado, here is the uh, several pages of final. You know, it's great. when I first had this idea, I was like, "Oh, it won't be too bad." There's you know five or six new ones a week. No, no, there's like thirty. It's okay. So I don't mind reading. You've only been in them, comics for like over ten years. I know, right? <laughs> um, some of them are from small market publishers too. There is definitely a market for that, so I included everything. Cool. So, from Dark Horse Comics, we've got Crimson Lotus, number one of five. Uh, we have Light Step, number one of five. Oh, you know what? You may want to just um, do a note the, the writer and On the each artist. One? Okay, so for Crimson Lotus, it's Mike Mignola and John Arcudi with art by Mindy Lee and Michelle Madsen. Okay. And then Light Step, number one by Dark Horse as well. Writer, artist, and cover art is Milos Slavkovic. You're Greek. <laughs> You're asking the wrong Greek, that's for sure. Uh, Milos Slavkovic. Okay. I, great job. All right. Just making sure that I wasn't butchering it. I figured I'd toss it to fellow countrymen. Um, American Carnage, number one, by DC Comics, by Brian Hill and Leonardo Fernandez. And it's then beyond vertigo, yeah, there's it no never way. notes vertigo. It always says this DC sounds comics, so. by reading the synopsis. This sounds like a very vertigo title. Um, and then the book that I'm just going to automatically go ahead and have you add to my poll: Shazam No. One by Almighty Jeff Johns. Yep. Johns. Moment of silence. <laughs> Thank you. Um, no, it's not. It's just out of yeah. It's a moment of respect, <laughs> reverence. It's reverence uh, with art by Dale Eaglesham. So it's going to be pretty. Yeah. And it's pretty much going to be like, I think what we're wanting it to be just, Oh, I can't wait. Do we have <laughs> any release dates yet for justice league volume one? Are you talking about the new run right Snyder, now? Yeah. No, no, they just now finished thing? a story arc. Oh, that took a while. All right. Just so, so like four months. Maybe. Yeah. No, maybe three. It's usually three months. <laughs> okay. For trade. Well, no, that's not true. <laughs> if they well, if they don't do hardcover first, it's yeah. three months. If they, if do, they hard do hardcover first, first but it's a year. for top tier books, it's going to be a while. So, uh, then we have Middle West number one on Image Comics by Scotty Young and Jorge Corona. Uh, oh. Billionaire Killers number one on Black Mass Comics by Matteo Pizzolo and Sue Lee on art. Archie number 700 with uh, Nick Spencer and Marguerite <laughs> I know. Ooh, I know. That actually sounds like a good team. Yeah. The ending the legendary Mark Wade run that's been going for a while now. And it's a new era of yeah. Archie that begins with this landmark 700th issue. 
You sound so excited. A new I'm, era I'm of bummed. crap. Yeah, I'm bummed. Uh, come on. Dude, Nick well, Spencer I'm, is good at one thing. Mm-hmm. Morning glories. He's marginally good at other things, but he is excellent. Ooh, Bedlam was really good. Bedlam, Bedlam only had one volume, though. We don't know how good that could have been. Yeah. But there was potential for that to be yeah, really good. Potential, like Superior Foes. But the one thing, his golden baby. Morning glories. Oh, for Justice League? Nice. There you go, Matt. That's not that far away. That's not that far away. Uh, Rick and Morty presents Pickle Rick number one on Oni Press by Delilah Dawson and CJ Cannon with Nick Villardi. Star Trek Waypoint Special by IDW Publishing, uh, written by Dave Baker and other various writers with Nicole Go and various other artists. It's G O U X. I have no. I would clue. say Go. Yeah. Or Joe. Go. Joe. I don't know. Infinity Wars Ghost Panther, number one of two. Hey. Hey, I'm glad it's just two issues. Is that Ghost Rider or Black Panther? I don't know. Probably is. Probably. Jed Jed McKay and Hefte? Hefte? How do you... Paulo? Yeah, I would say Hefte Paulo. Hefte Paulo? Yeah. Okay. Hefte. Um, hefty, hefty, hefty. Um, (laughs) 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 sorry, sorry. (laughs) Uh, sometimes it just can't help it. Night moves, uh, number one of five, uh, by IDW publishing, right? Written by VJ Boyd, Justin and Justin Boyd with art by Clay McCormick. Um, Spider-Man enter the spider verse. Number one on Marvel comics. Is that like based off a movie? I don't know. I mean, it's oh yeah, it's a movie special. Written okay. by Ma- Ralph Macchio, uh, art by Flav- Flaviano. Wait, are yeah, we just gonna Flaviano. gloss over that? What? Ralph Macchio? Right. Dude, wrote it. Dude, I don't think it's the Ralph Macchio. <laughs> okay, it's a Ralph. A Ralph that would be. <laughs> Dude, if the Karate Kid was writing comics, I'd be all up on that. But he's too busy starring in Cobra Kai. Yes. I've never hey, seen Karate Kid. Cobra Kai was good. I'm gonna. Freaking crane kick you. Cobra Kai is excellent. Sweep his leg. Yeah, sweep his leg. <laughs> Do yourself a favor, Johnny. Yeah. Watch all the Karate Kid movies. All of them? All yes. of them. There's not like the four. With, uh, the Jackie Chan one? You can watch the Jackie Chan one. It's not bad, but it's not as good. It's all right. Okay. I'll do that. And then, and then watch Cobra Kai series on YouTube. Red. It's on YouTube Red. Yeah. Yeah, I like. I, I heard uh, like the idea of Cobra Kai. I'm like, that sounds pretty rad. Um. Anyway, Powers in Action number one by Action Lab Entertainment, written, are uh, written art and cover art by Art Baltazar. Oh, oh man. Ooh, nice. <laughs> I almost cursed. Uh, Web of Venom, <laughs> Web of Venom Carnage, born number one on Marvel Comics, and surprise, surprise, Donny Cates, who's writing everything for them now. Well, he's stopped a lot of stuff. He starts new things now. With yeah. art by Danilo Bayruth. Yeah, I don't know. GoBots number one, IDW Publishing. <laughs> They're oh, just yeah, they all the nostalgia points. Yeah. They announced this one at um, San Diego. Yeah, written. Written by, art by, cover art by Tom Scioli? Scioli? Scioli. I would say, uh, I would Scioli. say Scioli. Scioli. Anyway. Scioli. You know what, Blake? All right, That's right. Um, <laughs> Smooth Criminal, nobody saw that. That's what they were watching the, <laughs> the stream. 
Smooth <laughs> Criminals number one by Boom Studios, with, written by Kurt Lustergarten and Ooh. Kiwi Smith, with art by Leisha Riddell. Yeah. Uh, then we have Betty Page number one uh, by huh. D.E. Dynamite. Oh, Dyn- uh, well, do we Dynamite. Dynamite Entertainment. Do we really want to mention this book? <laughs> it's Betty Page. It's worth mentioning. Written by David Avalone and art by Julius Ota. Hmm. And then this is the one you were mentioning, Roger. 1029 FOC for an 1128 release. DC Nuclear Winter Special, written by Paul Dini and various other writers, with art by Cully Hamner and various other huh. artists. Um, so it's their holiday book. Yeah. Yeah, and I think it's a look into the. Uh, Future post apocalyptic wasteland, right? Yeah. Or you know, 2018. Oh, that's what it says. <laughs> that's uh, so yeah. So I, I guess dun, dun. <laughs> so what, the, what this means is, if if any of these books interested you, you need to tell your comic shop that yes. you want them before the 29th. Yes. Okay. Final order cutoff is the 29th of this month, right. October. Yeah. Sweet. So, so make sure to get those orders into Roger. So I can't. Uh, I can't wait for Shazam. I think that's going to be a fun one. Definitely. So that brings us up to our graphic novel review for the evening. So who wants to start that off? I shall start. Uh, Daredevil Born Again is the seminal Daredevil run by uh, writer Frank Miller and artist David Muzicelli. I know I just butchered that. Uh, I think it's Muzicelli. That's That's how he said his name. They said it. Uh, who previously worked on Batman Year One as well. Um, it follows along uh, Matt Murdock after uh, Karen Page has seen some hard times. She's taken on a heroin as, lo- uh, as well as some other unsavory things. And in order to get it, <laughs> in order to get a fix, she sells the uh, Daredevil's identity to none other than Wilson Fisk, aka the Kingpin, and. Uh, it's it everything unfolds from there. Uh, Matt sort of goes into a deep spiral. He loses everything. This is the book where Matt kind of goes insane. Yeah, and mm-hmm. and it was uh, I was reading Frank Miller had intended this to be the last sort of Daredevil run, and it it shows in the way that he wrote it. He um, always wants to write last. Yeah. Because well, e- they never have to do it again. Thing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's an ego thing. But then he comes back with Dark Knight Two and Dark Knight Three. Yeah. Um, but we get uh, appearance of Nuke. Um, anybody who's watched uh, season one of Jessica Jones, um, the John, I don't forget the actor's name. Um, Dude, it took me the entire season to realize that's where they were going with him and who that was. Yeah, it wasn't until the very last thing that he was in, I was like, Oh, yeah. what? They should have had him paint an American flag on his face. Oh, I, and I was so bummed because I was hoping that that's what they were going they for in couldn't. Defenders. They couldn't have done yeah, that. Like that they had just had. Is he in Defenders? No. No, he's not. I, he, okay. I, he hasn't been seen. Nuke. He hasn't been seen in anything. He's in JJ season two. Oh, okay. Okay, well. There you go. Um, but uh, some really iconic scenes um, in this particular uh, arc. But definitely, I'm definitely not a Frank Miller fan. Uh, I don't think I've ever read anything of his uh, Batman stuff that I've ever enjoyed. Mm. But Daredevil uh, Born Again, I, I got the hype. It's, it totally means it. Did you pick this book? I did. Oh. Yeah. 
this is this is one of those that um, after reading so many superhero comics that uh, they can be especially around that time they can be kind of uh, vacant conceptually yeah. wise and what, this one has a lot of gravitas to it. What to do you think the of like the, the difference was because this book does feel like very Frank Miller. Yeah. So so what was the difference that you like this book and not like his Batman work or I don't know the character it's something I I really don't know. It's just something about it's almost like pompous I want to say in his other Batman stuff. Mm. But this one it's it's very much set in the rest of the Marvel universe, okay. which I appreciate, and it's still weirdly maintains it's not his that. own corner or yeah. sandbox. Jenga. It's pronounced Hanga. Is it really? No. no. <laughs> <laughs> you said that with such conviction. I was like, wow, I've been saying it wrong all my life. <laughs> it's tumbling tower. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I I totally explained where were we. Uh, well, uh, the gravitas. Oh, yeah. yeah, it's it's and it's this weird sort of balance between the you know because the Avengers make an appearance in it and it doesn't feel weird or oh, like because I mean if we were to look at it, yeah, Avengers would be way overpowered compared to Devil Daredevil. Yeah, and but it it works and uh, I I appreciate it. Yeah, I mean yeah, I'm not I'm not that. Like every time I read a like Frank Miller book, like I like it less and less. Um, except for this book, because um, I mean I can say a bunch of like bad stuff that I don't like about Frank Miller, but the dude knows how to make things work. You yeah. know, like even if he just has to force it in, it, it feels like yeah, that's how that thing, that works. Yeah. And and the fact that yeah, you brought up the Avengers, like I don't because. For the most part, this this book feels very grounded. You know, it feels yeah, absolutely. It, it feels like how it should, and that's a Daredevil book. And when the Avengers show up, I, I feel like it should have, you know, changed the dynamic. Yeah. But it, I don't know how how he did it. It it, it works. Um, I enjoy the book for the most part, but it, uh, it, it like I said does feel like very Frank Miller. The way his caption boxes work and uh, well, the way it's that in he eighties too. Right? Yeah. Wait, yeah. This is this very is very eighties. Wait, really? this it was, Oh, okay. I, I didn't know. That. I late, thought it was a little eighties. I thought it was like a late nineties or something like that. Mm. No, no, late eighties. No, this 80s. is this oh. is he's coming off the heels of his success with Dark Knight. Rises I mean, then that's why it makes sense that it kind of reads like Dark Knight. <laughs> yeah, and that's it's that sort of shift in tone. Um, and that he's so. Do you think he was it. okay during the '80s? Because man, he wrote some. <laughs> well, and that's stuff. what, and that's kind of what I love about this is that, especially in Marvel comics, there's so much symbolism in this. Mm -hmm. As far as you know, like Daredevil is the life of Christ and the resurrection and all that sort of stuff. And dude, the title of this of the story is "Born Again." Yeah, exactly. Which is, uh, yeah, and just the way I mean, comparing New York City to you know. Uh, Sodom and Gomorrah and mm -hmm. all those sorts of things. It's, uh, it's, yeah. I, I the dude really loves do. his symbolism. He really does. <laughs> yeah. And what I thought was funny about this is how it takes place roughly around Christmas time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But there's more Easter for sure symbolism for sure with resurrection and all that than than Christmas than yeah. Christmas. I, yeah, I, I would so. assume that it's just because it came out around that time. Yeah. Or he wanted to show the depravity. <laughs> 
the one thing I felt about this, I, I really did like this story. Um, but I was surprised at how quickly Matt Murdock was rendered like incapacitated. Yeah. 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 I mean, he was stripped of everything and you and you get you know, you understand very quickly that the Kingpin has been, you know, the one who's been pulling the strings, but it I mean, it was like half of a comic. That's one of those things that you know that I really struggle with reading this is part of me is like, okay, it works for the story, but at the same time I'm like how well, as, I, as you're going through that, like like you said, like it it just everything is so seems so rapid in the decline. Well, because I felt at the end, you know, you look at at the you know the last third of the story where the Avengers come in and you have Nuke and you have all this other stuff going on. I'm like that was that was where I thought Miller was close to jumping the shark. You know, like upping the ante and continuing to up the ante. Whereas I, I I felt like it really didn't need them to come in. A lot of those story elements didn't need to come in because essentially it's Daredevil versus Kingpin. You know, it's a grudge match. Do you think that that is a Miller decision or a higher-ups decision? I think it was probably Miller's Uh because at the time, uh, you know, this was, uh, you know, it was an ongoing story. And I don't know that, I don't know that Frank Miller knew how long he, you know, this was in the, it wasn't a miniseries or anything. It was in the main Daredevil run. I think he was, I think he was just pulling in other stuff to, you know, as part of an ongoing story and continuing plot threads that he had already laid down. I think it was, I think it was more a problem that it was, it was within an ongoing story that he was he was pulling in other stuff to kind of you know make it take longer to play out. Okay. So um, some some of that stuff I was like it looked like you know he saw a chicken and he chased the chicken <laughs> and you know and then came back around to the main story. But it it's really good. good. Yeah. It, and it, it's really good. I I, I I do love it. I love all yep. the symbolism. And this is this is the one, especially for me, that you get the sense of how diabolical Kingpin is. Yes, he, he really writes get, a great Kingpin. Yeah, he, you really get that sort of sense that he can do all the things that he does. Yeah. I just feel like, I'm like, man, he, he broke Matt Murdock in a hurry, you know? Yeah, and and a lot of it was just caption boxes like, "What? I got some to a grand jury? Oh, I'm not on the grand jury. I'm the focus of the grand jury." It was like, uh, okay. <laughs> I I think that I you've think, said several times I think though that it should Frank have. Miller tells his stories with a two by four. He does. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, <laughs> and sometimes that works. Sometimes it's yeah. a little suspect. Yeah. So I would have. I now look. At the same time, I understand you're trying, you know, you're trying to, you know, uh, in, you know, tell stories in comics that, you know, keep a hold of the reader's imagination. And, you know, if you spend an entire comic with Matt Murdock and his bills, 
it's not going to be very sexy, you know. So, I, I mean, I get it. Um, but uh, overall, I, I I love the story. It's really good. Yeah. Have you read his other stuff? The Electra? Um, like, uh, no. Okay. Because I, I would be really interested to read it all as just one sort of thing. Um, especially with uh, all the, the references. But I love, too, I love, too, that you get, you know, uh, Daredevil Origins stuff in here. You know, the stuff with, with him and his father and uh, his mother? sister mother. Maggie. The nun? Yeah, yeah. whatever. The, the nun who is presumably his mother. You know, there's a lot of stuff in there that's really great. I mean, uh, you know, if you like Daredevil um, as a character, Matt Burdock, I really think that you're going to love this book. Yeah, and that's definitely, you see where all the uh, sort of um, religious iconography Mm -hmm. uh, comes from, especially in his lore. Mm -hmm. Um, So much of it is from this arc. Yeah, it really kind of shows how devout... Yeah. Matt's faith is. Yeah. Even though he's like really on the brink of insanity through yeah. a lot of it. I always wondered like if the Netflix show was eventually going to get to this storyline. You know, because it it's, did. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's just, man. Uh, I'm, I'm more talking about like the Karen Page stuff. You know? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah for sure. I don't think because there's, there's elements that have already been changed. Uh, with yeah. Ben Irich dying or Irich dying, she's better. Yeah, she's she's, she's taken his place essentially. Yeah. They've referenced that she's had addiction problems in the past, but I don't think they're going to go full tilt with her <laughs> being in Mexico doing dirty. Deeds well, that for was heroin. that was my. I think one of my favorite parts of the first season was that there's that really great scene um, between Karen Page and um, Wesley. Oh, Wesley. And uh, she's like, oh, he's like, oh, go ahead, take the gun. And he's like, how do you know? Oh, he's like, oh, you wouldn't shoot anybody, I can tell. I was like, how do you know I haven't shot anybody? And then, like, that's so much from this direct arc. It's so good. Yeah, exactly. It's so good. (laughs) What would you rate it? Five. Roger? Four and a half. I'll rate it a four. I enjoyed it. Um... I, I won't th- be offended. If it, no, no, no. no. <laughs> I, I really like this. I'm just struggling with it because there's parts of it that are, to me, come across as very dated. Yeah. And that's hard for me to... So I think I'm at four and a half also. It's it's almost freaking perfect. What do you guys think of the art? Um, I, love I, the, I love Mezzie Kelly's art. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's sweet. Yeah. Just how I... Yeah. Solid comic book art, superhero mm-hmm. stuff. So I really like this, this Daredevil story. I think if there were a couple elements that were smoothed out... And not told with a two by four, <laughs> it would it would be a perfect five. But I mean, for me, it's rare when you see in comics like that much uh, Christian symbolism. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I really appreciated that part of it and the fact that it wasn't like um, tongue in cheek, derogatory or anything like that. Because a lot of times people kind of bash on it. Sure. And stuff, so no, and his and Frank Miller's narrative throughout this story is on point. Yeah. You know, it's so good. So, I dig it. Yeah. All right. We're going to go ahead and, I guess, play our different version of trivia now. No, we're still playing trivia. Nothing's changed. There's well, nothing we're giving away anything. <laughs> 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 All right. 
All right, so you guys know the rules. Uh, I'm going to ask one multiple choice question. Um, we're gonna read off your A, B, C, or D. If you know the answer, you go last. You don't spoil it. I'm just going to go with my gut this week. I'm not listening to anybody else. <laughs> um, we're, we're playing for points. Who can be the All-Star Comics Podcast Champion of the Year? Um, if you want to stump the panelists, please send in a question with four multiple choice answers to contact at allstarcomicspodcast.com. And please note the correct answer in your email. All right. Did you so what? Did you miss this email from Bryce? No, I said there was an email. I just said it was like two paragraphs. I didn't want to read it. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry, Bryce. I mean, it's it, it was very sweet. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a great email. I we'll we'll like, read it. We'll read it to each other. <laughs> Later. Um, okay, this is a Bryce question. Thanks, Bryce, for sending in questions. You sent in some good ones. So, it's a short question. What character has worked? as a mailroom clerk? A, Peter Quill. B, Peter Parker. C, Carol Danvers. Or D, Rocket Raccoon. I, I'm going to guess, but I have a feeling Nick? I know which one it is. Nick, you, you think you know? I or think. All right, Nick, what's your guess? D. D, Rocket Raccoon. Okay, Johnny? Same, D. D? C. Roger, Jonathan? You're going to go with C, Carol Danvers? And Roger? Well, Carol was the she was the chief editor for like Ms. Magazine or something. Is that what I'm thinking of? Out. Is that what but I'm thinking of? But I don't of? think she was ever in the mailroom. Um, <sighs> Wait, I, you hold know, on. Rocket Raccoon sound, sounded stupid enough to. Did you say mailroom? I, I thought you said mail restroom clerk, like you know, one of those people. <laughs> what mailroom clerk? That hands you the paper towels and wants yeah. a tip? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> okay, so it's M-A-I-L. Oh. oh. Whoops. Mail, you want to change your answer? Uh, I'm going to go with Peter Parker. Peter Parker, okay. Roger? Peter Parker feels like it's the most feasible. That seems like a red herring. That, yeah, I agree. Exactly. I agree. <laughs> and I think Rocket is so stupid an answer that, yeah, it's got to be. It's probably, <laughs> That was my exact uh, thought process. Yeah. Rocket and I, I, I got to say Rocket. Rocket. Okay, and the answer is D-Rocket. Damn Ooh. it. Of course. <laughs> of course. It's on the board. <laughs> Roger with another point. Roger, I think you're winning, right? He is winning. Uh, so thanks for writing in, Bryce. If you guys want to try to stump the panel again, send your question with four <laughs> multiple choice answers. Note the correct one in your email. Contact at allstarcomicspodcast.com. I found it weird that Carol Danvers was a male restroom clerk. <laughs> That's what I was thinking was of was like she did something she for was, a news yeah, she or was a magazine. Editor for she was an editor for a women's magazine okay. that was published by the Daily Bugle. I don't know Marvel trivia as well. Pete was a photographer. <laughs> yeah, Bryce <laughs> keeps sending in Marvel trivia. <laughs> That's just not fair. Dave has a couple good questions in there, but I don't feel right asking Dave's question with him being here. But That's kind of like... He can't answer them. You sent them in. <laughs> I have ethics, okay? <laughs> I don't think you know the definition. It's only unethical if he's answering the question he submitted. I'm kidding. <laughs> All right, Nick. I think you already have a point. I do? <gasps> so you have two now. Wow. What? Boom. All right, do we have any reviews? Have you seen? I didn't get any emails, so... Can you check real quick while we're doing yeah, the rest of this? All right, thanks. Uh, guys, if you like what you're hearing and uh, you want to go above and beyond, beyond, you know, rate, reviews, subscribing, liking, and sharing, you can go to patreon.com slash podcast. You can subscribe for as little as a dollar. 
Three dollars gets you the. Uh, don't look at me like that, Blake. Not in front of everybody. <laughs> um, Three dollars gets you the. Uh, well, a dollar gets you the the episode early. Three dollars gets you the multiversity unit. We do have a review. Oh, there you go. What's it say? It's from Stan L six one six. Okay. Oh, it's Stan <laughs> Lee. Um, What's it say? <laughs> <laughs> what does good old Stan have to say about this great podcast? Excelsior! <laughs> it says, this is an amazing and spectacular podcast. With okay, well that's a lie. Posts that are <laughs> the, comics, the comics that will marvel the mind and astonish your interest. <laughs> <laughs> the chemistry between the guest and the host is uncanny. <laughs> <laughs> The information and entertainment can only be measured with infinity. <laughs> <laughs> and I can't say enough great things about old man Roger and his force, Excelsior. <laughs> that's awesome. Something tells me that that's a Marvel fan that wrote in. Thank you, Stan L616. I, I, I mean, Stan Lee is probably like the biggest Marvel fan, no? Thank you, Stan Lee. I'm just going to assume that it is Stan Lee. <laughs> How great would that be if he just wrote under Stan L616? <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, uh, if you want to go above and beyond, go to All Star Comics uh, or uh, patreon.com slash All Star Comics Podcast. Dollar gets you the episode the night that it drops. $3 gets you Multiversity University episode drops. $5 gets you All Star Origin Stories, which we just literally dropped, Matt. Uh, it's yeah. a little late. Since I apologize. Late, it's up. Right now. It's go up. Check it out. We're going to be doing Larry in a week. So that'll we be literally had our conversation yeah. right before we did the podcast yeah. here. Oh, interesting. So yeah. um, go check it out. It's up. Uh, we had some fun. It was a good one. Yeah. Matt was in the hot seat. I was the host for it's once. It's hard answering your own questions, man. <laughs> <laughs> he knew what was coming, and he still was like, I don't know. Um, and then uh, if you guys want to keep up with everything at the shop, uh, at Horizon Comics on Twitter and Instagram, like Horizon Comics on Facebook. And then um, and I feel like we should like kind of let people know what's going on in Horizon Comics after dark. Saturday nights, we've got stuff going on. Next Saturday, we've got what? Or tomorrow, we've got... What uh, tomorrow? There's a poker game. Another poker tournament. Enough said. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> there we go. We're gonna Enough have like said. we're gonna have like <laughs> twelve. There's a twenty dollar buy-in. Last week we had uh, Mario Kart. No D&D. tournament. Oh yeah. D and D. Yeah. Well, we had the that was in the daytime. We had a Mario Kart tournament. Uh, oh, congratulations okay. to to our winners. We had a nice turnout for that. It was a lot of fun. And then uh, Horizon Comics After Dark, we, we're doing board games and such. And uh, one of the other games that we've been doing is uh, D&D. Yep. Dungeons and Dragons with our dungeon master, Blake, who uh, is over there playing whatever that Jenga knockoff is. Tumbling Tower. Tumbling Tower. Come on. Anyway, <laughs> uh, if you want to keep up with everything, Matt. Hydra 5-5. Check out my origin story. Johnny. Uh, you can follow me everywhere at the Johnny Two X Four. Nick, you can follow my cat's Instagram at Tommy is the cat. Please, did I have I followed that yet? I, I don't know that yet. I'll have my to. wife runs it, but <laughs> right. but definitely uh, uh, some good stuff there. <laughs> I am I am all about the cats. So uh, and I am at Saint Jonathan on Twitter and Instagram. Guys, thank you for listening. We appreciate all the support. And we will see you next time. Good evening, everybody. Welcome back to Multiversity University. I am your host, Larry Douglas. 
Now, tonight we are going to be talking about the most popular character that Marvel has ever created, and that is Spider-Man. And Spider-Man is not just the most popular character that Marvel has ever created. Spider-Man is and has been popular enough that he really does belong in the uh, upper echelons of uh, superheroes. In fact, um, even though DC does use the term the Trinity to refer to their big three of Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman, and that's, of course, appropriate, if you were to look across all of the different comic book companies, the real trinity would actually be Superman, Batman, and Spider-Man. These are by far the three most popular ongoing characters in comic book history. Um, And that's shown in the fact that these three are the only characters whose original appearances um, have sold for more than a million dollars. As we, of course, all know, Action Comics number one, first appearance of Superman, has sold for over three million dollars. Detective number 27, Batman's first appearance, has sold for $1.75 million. Um, But Amazing Fantasy number 15, the first appearance of Spider-Man, despite the fact that it's not nearly as old as those other two, uh, has sold for as much as $1.1 million. So uh, those three are are literally our million-dollar superheroes. Well, how was it that Spider-Man came about? Well, The Fantastic Four was so popular, and by the way, the popularity of the Fantastic Four surprised everybody at Marvel Comics, including Martin Goodman and Stan Lee himself, Um, but they began looking for another superhero. Um, Now, what happened, though, uh, was that Stan Lee had noticed that there had been a surge in older readers. And by older, we're not talking about adults really yet. We're talking about teenagers who had really not read comics since probably the middle 50s very much. Uh, and, uh, And by teenagers, I mean even on up into college as well. So basically, junior high, high school, college students were now reading comic books uh, and um, and the high school and college readers were kind of returning to comic books, I guess you could say. And so what Stan Lee was wanting to do was he wanted to create a character that these readers could identify with. So that's when he first came up with sort of a vague idea of this character Spider-Man. He came up really with the name before he actually even came up with the concept of what the character would be like. Um, And even though he had wanted to create a teenage character, he decided to call the character Spider-Man rather than Spider-Boy. The reason for that was that this would be the first teenage superhero character that wouldn't be just a sidekick who would be actually the main character in the comic. And so the the having the boy on the name made him seem more like a sidekick rather than a uh, fully formed character in his own right. Um, the other thing was that Stan Lee had always envisioned that this character would age over time. So he actually wanted to create a character that would not stay in high school for uh, as long as he was published, but a character that would, at some point, they would age him to go on to college. And then at some point, they would age him to actually be out of college and have a job and, you know, maybe even get married and have kids and all that sort of thing. 
So he went to Martin Goodman to talk to him about this idea that he had, and Goodman was not excited by this idea at all. Uh, partly that may have been due to the fact that uh, Stan Lee didn't really have a fully formed idea of what this character would be like, and Martin Goodman just wasn't thrilled with the idea of a teenage superhero character being the main character in the comic book. So the two of them kind of went back and forth, but eventually uh, Stan Lee did prevail and Martin Goodman agreed to go ahead and publish this character. But it seems like the only reason he agreed is because he agreed to put the story about this character in this comic book that they have called Amazing Adult Fantasy, which... Goodman was thinking about canceling anyway. And so what ended up happening was that, of course, Spider-Man's first appearance ended up being in uh, uh, that comic book where they did drop the term adult and just called it Amazing Fantasy number 15, which was not necessarily uh, pre-planned to be the last issue, but it did end up being the last issue of that particular comic book. Um, and, uh, and so it seemed like Goodman's idea was, well, I'll go ahead and go along with what Stanley wants. I'll make him happy. We'll put this character out. But then if the, if the title gets canceled, if we decide to do that, no big loss, and we'll never have to worry about Spider-Man again. But of course... That's not the way that things would work out. Spider-Man would uh, come to, uh, to outlast Martin Goodman himself. And so in our next episode, please join me as we talk about how the character of Spider-Man came to be fully formed and not just a sort of vague idea in Stan Lee's mind. <laughs>